Hello, and welcome back to Hold On, I'm Talking Brother. My name is Joe Greenwood, and you are listening to our preview of UFC Fight Night, Krilov vs. Span. That's right, Nikita Krilov vs. Ryan Span, Fight Night main event. Dana, thank, thank you so much for the gruel. Like, I, can't, I can't get enough of this stuff. Thank you so much. Uh, listeners, I'm joined by my regular co-host, Tom Ballum. And Tom, I'm going to ask you just a very simple question. How are you doing? Uh, I'm well, Joe. Yeah. I'm still on a big high, not off of Aaron Blanchfield announcing uh, <laughs> herself against Jessica Andrade, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, mm. but off that continuing discussion about Makachev and Volkanovski, worlds colliding, yeah. IVs being dripped. Yeah, There's so much, so much going on there. It's, it's fueling me. And you know what's around the corner, Joe? Yeah, John Jones is returning mm. against Cyril Garn. Yes, Oof. indeed. Now, this pause... So give here. me the gruel. I, I will chew my way through it to get to the steak. Listen, this, this pod here, we're, do, we're just stretching. We're just stretching this week. We're stretching. We're getting ready for next week. We're getting ready for the big boy stuff, okay? We're just getting our stretches in before the, the marathon is crossed with the 100-meter sprint that we're going to do next week. Like, it's going to be incredible. But, um, Tom, let's talk about the fight that you just referenced there, Makachev versus Volkanovski. I've watched it again. Tom, can I give you my score? Is this the third watch through for you now? Uh, third watch. Okay. I've gone for a 48-47 Islam Makachev. And to be honest, I feel a 49-46 more than a 48-47 for Volkanovski. That, 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 and listen, we'll get to it. We'll get to that again. We'll get to that again. statement. <laughs> we'll get to that again. In October, because did you see the video this week that came out of them meet, chatting backstage and taking pictures with their teams? I haven't seen that, no. I thought it was all bad blood. No, no, no. This is directly after the fight. And Volkanovsky, they said, he said, should we do it again? And Makachev's like, oh, yeah, we'll do that again. And uh, he was just like, and Volk says, do you want to do it in Abu Dhabi? You know, in October, you came to my place. Let's go to yours, because apparently Makachev's from Abu Dhabi now. Like, that's... That's his hometown crowd. I guess they can't really run in Russia at the moment for obvious reasons. But yeah. the uh, yeah, I thought that was quite an interesting insight and uh, kind of a bit of a tantalising tease. What could be waiting for the rest of the year? I guess that tells us then if they do do that in October, what they'll get a defence in each before setting up the rematch. That's confidence right there, given the the strength uh, of the division, especially at lightweight. But um, come on, fam. but I think these guys earned earn the right to be confident. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now we know who Volkanovski's opponent's going to be, which will be Yair Rodriguez, interim uh, featherweight champion. Who is going to be facing Makachev? Well, it's not going to be Benil Dariush. We've we've gathered that. Who's it going to be, Tom? Who's he going to face the same night that Volkanovski faces Yair? Tell me who it's going to be in June or July. Well, we do have the Gaethje Fazeev matchup coming up. Yeah, I think with a big a big performance there, could announce yourself. Um, I think you're leaning us towards the re- the soon to be Ultimate Fighter meet meet up between Connor and and Michael Chandler. No, no, I'm leaning you towards Dustin Poirier. That's what I'm leaning you towards, Tom. I don't want it. No, I don't want it either. I, I want the winner of Fazeev versus Gaethje. Particularly if it's Fazeev. Like, that would be... Woo! 
That'd be major. I want Benil Dariush. Yeah, I mean, I want... I mean, hold on. It should be Benil Dariush. We'll talk about Dariush in a bit, but we it should be Dariush. Um, I don't even think he... Makachev necessarily even gets through that fight. But, listeners, never mind those fights. Let's talk about this Saturday's main event. Well, right. Let's talk about somebody who hasn't earned the right to be so confident. You're yeah. about to say his name there, Joe. It's Ryan Spann. Yeah. Now, he finished his last fight saying he's going to start actually training. He's, <laughs> he's Superman. Uh, he thinks he's that good. Mm. Is he that good? I mean, can we judge his career, really, from what's happened before after the revelation that he only trained for three weeks at a time for each fight? And now he's apparently doing full camps and then knocking out Dom Reyes with a sort of lead left hook. Like, is this... Now, is it the fact that it's Dom Reyes now that makes it not impressive? Like, there's something that's just not that impressive about that win, is there? Well, if it's true what that man is saying, uh, he is still fighting a top top tier, if not, you know, at the very top uh, light heavyweight, a man mm. who deserves to be ran- ranked, a man who ran John Jones ever so close. Yeah, he's come off the boil a bit, but it's still, it's still Dom Reyes. Uh, he was dispatched brutally by Span, mm. as you described with that with that left hook. Um, I think we have to take notice. The thing is, though, then you start to scrutinize it. And you think, all right, Dom Reyes, Jon Kutalaba, Misha Serkinov. Is that a record to build such confidence of? Probably not. But if you added a Nikita Krylov in there, his opponent for Saturday, then maybe you would start to take notice of Span. I mean, Span, no offense to the man, but he's been a long time punchline for me and you. Confirmed jabroni status for a long time. But seems to have turned it around maybe in our heads a bit, just with that finish of Reyes and the revelation of how much he didn't train. But I guess that kind of tells you that he is a jabroni because he didn't train properly before that. <laughs> yeah, that is definite jabroni I mean, it kind of uh, makes, a, it makes a mockery of the sport in a way, doesn't it? It does. And honestly, Joe, come on, we don't believe that, do we? We don't no. believe that. No, I don't. I don't believe it. Now, I will say for Spam that, yes, I'm reluctant to be caught on, on the mic. Uh slamming the poor man now because he has had some pretty impressive finishes I am uncomfortable uh, about lambasting him but mm. Krilov he could get me back to that happy place that I was in <laughs> because he, he is he is legit he's a test yeah he, I think I think we can say that if you if you get past Nikita Krilov unless your name is Paul Craig yeah. then we should start taking you seriously <laughs> because the men who have got past Nikita Krilov since he came into the UFC, Joe, mm. it's a small, a small line of fighters. The first one was Jan Blahovic, who then went on to become the champion. The next one, do you know who it was, Joe? Uh, it Mr. was Glover Teixeira. Yeah, of no small fame. And after that, Magomed and Kalaev. So these are men who have been in title fights. And yeah, Ryan Spann might find himself there too if he can get through this challenge. Now what? What should we expect in the fight itself? What I'm going to expect is this, is that I'm expecting Ryan Spann to hit the gas immediately and just, like, get on Krilov as early as possible. I'm expecting, like, early onslaught, you know, big shots being thrown, like, trying to get the action going immediately. Like, Spann is, like, really quite an active fighter. 
in terms of his output, 1.76 submission attempts per 15 minutes. That's really quite high. Really quite high. Like That's a similar rate to like Deverson Figueredo and Mackenzie Dern. Um, it's a pretty high, high output there. Um, but um, his striking output is not that impressive. Like that's that's the thing that gets me is that like it, it's so like he lands at three point four two per minute and he absorbs at three point four two per minute. It's almost like shot for shot. And his accuracy is like very low, like below 50%. Whereas Krilov has a positive differential, so his defense is higher, and his accuracy is higher, and his output is a full strike per minute higher. So I'm thinking if I'm Span, you know, I have to start this fight quickly and try and get this get him out there in this first round. Because I think the longer it goes, the better it goes for Krilov. Having said that though, Krilov is a man who I mean, he's gone to a decision three times four times in his last what 12 fights and well when he came in, when he came into the UFC Joe he was known as a finisher uh, it was yeah. all finishes at to, up to that point yeah so until the year 2018 Krilov had finished every single opponent he had faced uh, or been finished yeah by them uh, some 20 fights into his career so He's lost that rotation. He's been going to plodding, plodding decisions, but he keeps a high output. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like a lot of long kicks to the body is sense to be his thing, like the lead, lead, uh, lead leg to the, to the body. I think also the, the thing with those decisions is that it, <laughs> the caliber's a bit different. Like Glover, Ankalaev, Uzdemir even. Like this isn't, you know, Maro Perak. Or Emmanuel Newton, you know, or uh, Ed Herman. This is a different sort of quality. And do you really believe Ryan Spann is of that quality? I mean, if Spann finishes him, then maybe he's starting to get there. But I kind of feel like he's probably not, Tom. Like, just just saying. This is this is one of these main events. It's just like, it's it, the UFC have clearly set a line now with the apex, which is, this is what you're getting in the apex. Like it or lump it, and then when we put it in front of a crowd, we'll give you something good. Like on a fight night. Like, you're getting Arnold Allen versus Max Holloway in April. In front of a crowd. That's clearly a line that they've sort of set there. Whereas, you know, your heavyweight, light heavyweight main events, you're getting in the apex, mate. Um, I don't know. So it sounds like the UFC have confirmed Ryan Spahn's jabroni statement. <laughs> we have, at the same time that we've been unsure... Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like we're not excited for it, but it's it's a legitimate fight. It's an interesting matchup. It's six versus eight. Um, now, if Span goes out there and blows Krilov away, yeah. you have to take notice of that. Yeah, of course, of course. And then you're looking further at the rankings to, what, a rematch with... Well, actually, Anthony Smith has his next fight book, which is uh, Johnny Walker, fight night main event, which, let's, I mean, that's dicey territory now with this new reborn... Mr. Walker, isn't it? It's not, it's not the same man as before. Um, so what are you looking at then? Maybe a Rakic when he comes back? You know? Like... I feel like, yeah, I, I think that's the territory you're in. Now Rakic is a, is a step up again. Um, yeah. Hold on. If, yeah. if, Rakic, if Rakic faces either of these guys, you, you're not picking anyone but Rakic, are you? 
I don't know, you know, if Span went and absolutely smoked Krilov here, I, I, I would start putting serious options on the table. Really? Just because of the, like, how emphatic that finish was over, um, well, over Dom Reyes, you know? That's... Yeah, that, and that it counts. Uh, I, yeah, I took notice. Jan Kutalaba, not so much. But Dom Reyes in the first round? Yeah, I mean, these are the guys that are ahead of Krilov. You've got N.C. Smith. Alexander Rakic, Jan Blahovic, Magomed Ankalaev, Yuri Prohoshka. Ankalaev and Blahovic are kind of just sitting there waiting for an opponent. Like, whoever wins this fight is getting that. Like, you're getting Ankalaev, Blahovic, or Rakic. Like, that's, that's, your, that's your reward. And you've earned it. I, I just... Like, what? Ankalaev versus Span? I mean, I'm struggling to see... Even if he blows Krilov away. Like, he's probably thinking, oh, give me, give me Blahovic out of those three. You know what I mean? Like, slightly slower target. You know, a bit more of a easier target to aim for. Anyway, Tom, we've besmirched these men even in praising them. Let's, get, <laughs> let's make a prediction here. Let's make a prediction. What do you have in here, Tom? I have to say, like, logic prevails. I think Krilov is just the all-round package, the durability, yeah. uh, the fitness in the later rounds, the volume. He really weighs on people as well. Mm. Now, Span, to me, he's an explosive fighter. That that really gets drained away if you are able to go to the later rounds. And, and I think that's what Krillor will be able to do, yeah. grinding out a decision win. Uh, I think this is going to be 25-minute fights within the space of seven minutes. I'm expecting, I'm expecting slop. I'm expecting all action all the time. And I think Krilov will get the better of Span just by just draining him of any energy. Those kicks to the body. Also, as you say, weighing on him, particularly in the clinch, does that thing of like putting his forearm across the throat and pressing mm. them up against the cage, just like really just irritating movements to get people tired and like fighting things. You know, like you start to fight that hand and then a knee comes up to the body from there. Like Krilov is like really good at sort of picking the right option from the range that he's in so like he wouldn't throw a knee up high from there you know it's like okay my knee can get to the body from here so i'll send it there do you know what i mean or like i'm at range here i'm gonna throw a leg kick from here i'm gonna throw like you know a one-two combo from here i'm gonna throw the body jab from this distance he's quite good at that um so that's why i'm gonna go for him over span as you say the experience in going the distance as well I mean, previous, for me, he... previous better opponents as well He's that guy where, you know, he's that kid on the football pitch where, all right, you've, you get the best of him once and you, you feel good about it. And then, you know, you feel a tap on your shoulder and, and, he, and he's still there, Joe. Yeah. He's still there. He's still clinging on. He's yeah. not tired. He's not deterred. No. And, uh, and and before you know it, you don't want to skin him anymore. You just start passing. Yeah, exactly. Passing the ball away. And uh, that's the fate for Ryan Spahn here. Yes. Now, Joe, what else should the listeners look forward to on this fight night card? I think... There are three fights that I think are of particular interest. Um, I'm not going to mention your boy, Jordan Levitt. Uh, you can bring that up in a bit. But let's talk about... You know what? Joe's Women's MMA Corner. I'm going to bring it back. Tatiana Suarez is back. Fighting now at flyweight after a three-year absence. Three, four-year absence. When did she last fight? Uh, she last fought in 2019, sorry. Nearly a four-year absence she's been away. Um, she's back facing Montana De La Rosa. Um, Suarez is 
eight and O. But what makes her so interesting is that she's probably the most well-decorated wrestler in women's MMA, Olympic team level, world champion gold medalist in freestyle wrestling, and has used that to her advantage in the UFC so far. She was really big for strawweight. I think flyweight is the natural division for her. She's had a lot of past issues, a lot of issues with her neck uh, that she's had to deal with. She, even in her younger life, had to deal with cancer, overcame that, um, and has subsequently come on to have a, a very impressive career. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a, a good comeback win here for Tatiana Suarez over Montana De La Rosa. I'm expecting probably a first round finish. I don't think De La Rosa has the ability or skill to keep Suarez off of her. Or, Tom, are we going to get... This person's been away for four years. They're about to get smoked. Would you like to hear my input on Montana De La Rosa? Go for it. Well, until five minutes ago, I thought this was the inaugural... uh, Was it Flyweight Champ? Who had a name (laughs) similar to... Montana, who was that lady who showed up for one fight and then they booked her against Shevchenko and it was like, um, oh, it turns out I don't want to be a fighter. Oh, God. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to have to look at <laughs> Valentina Shevchenko to find who that was. Um, yeah, well, it, it it turns out it wasn't this woman. Uh, so, yeah, that's where the kind of bracket I'm putting her in. Nico anyway. Montagna? Yes, yes. So Montana was in the name. Is It's not the same one, though, right, Joe? Um... <laughs> no, hold on. No, no, no. She won the title. Hold on. No, no. She beat Priscilla Cachoeira. She came off the. She came off the start of the. Uh, they had an Ultimate Fighter to crown, crown the inaugural belt holder, and then they were like, "Okay, now you're gonna have to fight someone real," and that woman shirked the fight. Anyway, it wasn't this lady. <laughs> it was Nico Montagna. It was Nico Montagna. Yeah, she okay. ducked it, and then Shevchenko beat Joanna Janczyk for the vacant title. Uh, that's it. That's it. That's it. Sorry. Uh, well, it's, it's, it turns out it's not the same lady. And that's <laughs> all I have to say ab- about her. So I will concur with you, Joe. Tatiana Suarez for the win. Bro, listen to this. Takedowns uh, average per 15 minutes for Suarez 6.47. That's like Colby Covington level. Like, that's, that's a lot, man. That's a lot of takedowns. Oof. Yeah. So I think, yeah, yeah I, honestly, win. in women's MMA, a solid wrestler yeah. uh, can go very, very far yeah. even if they're limited in all other aspects, as we've seen with Carla Esparza, yes. who Tatiana Suarez beat. Yeah. So, you know, really the ceiling is is as high as can be imagined, you know. Mm. It's, there is no limit to yeah. <laughs> Tatiana Suarez. Yeah, this is like, uh, um, this is probably like, you know, when like... Um, like Randy Couture was sort of like making his sort of run or like GSP where it's just like GSP mate you got to face Dan Hardy no worries mate I've got it like I've got it sorted that's Tatiana Suarez versus yeah. every women's fighter so, yeah. yeah absolutely so I hope you know it'd be nice to get some some new, new injection uh, yep. women's flyweight uh, and the odds makers on this one show they've got her as a minus 750 <sighs> favourite crushing favourite mm. What's uh, what's standing uh, now, out to you? Not a whole lot, Joe. I'll be I'll be honest with you. It's a lot of gruel. 
Um, I always like myself a little bit of Joe Selecki. He's down on the prelims. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's down on the prelims. Fighting a man uh, with the shape of Robbie Lawler um, called (laughs) Carl Deaton. (laughs) So that's kind of bumming me out a little bit. You've got Rafael Alves. Uh, He's also fighting another Robbie Lawler-esque figure, according to the UFC Fight Night uh, main page. Narulo Johnson. Yes, Narulo Aliyev is... uh... Alves' opponent. Can you tell us more about Nurul Aliyev? He won on the Contender Series uh, late last year against a guy called Josh Wick. First round finished by ground and pound. Uh, every other win he's had in MMA has been from decision, except for his third fight, which was uh, stopped by a corner stoppage in between the second and the third round. For a, a company called Battle on Volga. So... <laughs> Don't want to know their politics. Let's. Uh, <laughs> let's well, you, you you mentioned the politics. Uh, we didn't talk about it in when we were giving our main event breakdown. But mm. Nikita Krylov. Mm. Shall we talk about that? I don't know. What was it? Was what happened? Well, he is from Donetsk. Uh, yeah. The origin of his name is yeah. in honor of the many miners found in that region. Yeah. Uh, he's pretty out there and ardent about. Um. Yeah, supporting the current state of affairs. What do you mean? He's he's in favour of the Russian occupation. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, he got himself in hot water in Kiev right. in the last year because he was had a Russian flag up in the gym in in Kiev. Really? He's since yeah, he's since been forced out and re- relocated to Moscow. So, oh my word, I had no idea. Incendiary stuff. My word. Oh, let's go Ryan Spann. Uh, no, no, no. I don't, don't really care that much. Well, I do. But like, it's, I do, but like, you know, I don't care that much for Ryan Spann to win. Yeah, you know that's, I mean? a, that's a step too far. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, the thing is, when I look down this card, Joe, I also look at Augusto Sakai. I look at Andre Muniz. Yeah, Andre Muniz. Come on, man. Yeah, there's plenty to get excited about. It's just the matchups themselves. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's not. It's, it's a shame. It's, Wasted. Yeah, it's Andre Muniz versus Brendan Allen. You know, Brendan Allen's fine. He's got a you know a nice three fight win streak. Sam Alvey, Jacob Malkoon, Christoph Jotko, but like Muniz should be. You know, should we looking at rankings now? Like a Hermanson. I mean, he's at number eleven. He's number eleven. He's fighting someone who's unranked. Uh, what about Muniz versus Vittori? Ush, that would be a fight. That would be a fight I'd like to see. Yeah, that's the kind of territory we're in. Yeah, Muniz versus Vittori. Lo- yeah. would love to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the sort of thing he should be doing. Um, right. Uh, let's move on <laughs> a little bit to... <laughs> okay, let's talk about... Good uh, Lord, what is happening? What a, let's, uh, let's move on from this card. Uh, let's go back to the main event of last week's card. Aaron Blanchfield defeats Jessica Andrade by rear naked choke in round two. Tom, you seem very passionate about this fight, very uh, wanting to dig into it further. What stood out to you most about this fight? Was it the uh, performance of Blanchfield, or was it maybe the sort of, you know, the results of Andrade rushing back into the cage? What, What was it that stood out to you most? Yeah, it was certainly a strange decision uh, for Andrade to step in here and take this fight. Now, she's got a reputation for it, and 
you know, she's a name. She's going in the Hall of Fame. Andrade yeah. has been all over women's MMA. I think she's got the most most finishes. Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got the most right? finishes. Yeah. I think she's even got the most fights as well. She's fought in all three divisions. Yeah. Started at bantamweight, went down to strawweight, went up to flyweight, back down to strawweight, and now just dodged, jumping between two. I think she's ranked both at strawweight and flyweight at the same time. Like that's incredible. Well, so help me understand the logic of taking this fight in the first place. I mean, going into the fight, she sat there high in the rankings, rank three, only Tyler Santos, Manon Fioroa ahead of her. Hmm. Um, pretty close, one one fight away from winning the shot, or she could have just kind of by default slipped in there, as we've seen so many times. A lot of hmm. people are already calling for a title fight. And she goes and, and accepts a fight on short notice, three weeks after... Uh, Surely damaging her hand on on Lauren Murphy's face. Mm. Such was the the, <laughs> the freedom with which she was able to strike her. Yeah. Um, and she goes and takes somebody who was looking pretty good in Blanchfield. Yes. I just don't. I don't understand it. Why should? Why take this fight? I mean, she's just signed a new contract, so I'm guessing she's like, oh. let let me get let me get one of those big fat paydays I've just signed up for. Give me that three hundred, uh, Dana. Like, maybe that was three hundred thousand. Maybe. I'd, uh, hold on. We don't get those numbers anymore. But no. let's just say it's that three. Would ex- that would explain things. Look, also, she's earns that. She definitely more than earns that sort of money with the fact that she's such a wrecking ball at women's MMA. Like, she's one of the few women's MMA fighters where it's just like, you tell casuals, put your biases aside, this woman owns. Like, she's so sick. And, you know, she deserves that. Um... I think, I don't know what it is. Maybe she thought that if she got this in quickly, she could, like, slip in as maybe as an alternate to... No, no, hold on. Shevchenko Grasso's next week. What am I talking about? But maybe she could line herself up for a title fight and, like, definitely put her down as, like, I'm next. Tyler Santos pulled out of this. I'm next, no matter what. And now what we get from it is Blanchfield kind of should be next. Like, that's that's the what we're getting from this. Yeah, well, if that was her thinking, it has backfired in spectacular fashion. Uh, like you said, she never really got going. Blanchfield really working her um, in the first round. Not yeah. going to say, like, damaging her, but um, certainly, I mean, by women's MMA standards, she was lighting her up and she wasn't eating much in return. No. And Drash just could not find the range. She was there, no. you know, throwing hands out there and there was no one to be found. No, yeah. Do you was... credit, do you credit Blanchfield's motion from that? Or are you, are you kind of wondering what, what was up with Jessica? No, I, I credit Blanchfield with this. I thought her, her footwork was actually pretty good. Like, the step-up was there from someone who's such a grappler. You know, it was... There were moments where, like, Andrade, like, wings, like, these huge shots that just went nowhere near, and it was, like, almost like Blanchfield sold her a dummy and sort of, like, went the other way and was, like, 90 degrees onto her. So I credit with Blanchfield with that, and there was some really good, like, blocking in the pocket and sort of, like, pushing through and... You know, she ate some shots from Andrade, but because she was putting it on her, I think she was just tiring her out with this sort of pace. And then obviously going for that takedown at the end, you're like, okay, fair enough. She's trying to secure the round for herself here. If she gets the takedown, I think it would be slightly wasted energy, you know, like at the very end of the round. But what we found in the end was that that was what she needed to give her the confidence in the second round to go for that takedown, enter into that space, take Andrade down and sub her. Andrade, though, debates the finish, claiming that because of the position and what had happened, 
she was distracted by the fact that her top was slipping out. She was worried that her breast was going to uh, be shown on live television. Uh, I understand why she maybe didn't want that to happen. Eternal meme status awaits. Uh, you know, uh, getting ridiculed a la Janet Jackson. Although we're in a different era now, so maybe she'd be praised for it. Uh, you know, a much better... Yeah, we're in a much better era now, Tom, I've got to say. Um, but she said herself, I should have just kept fighting no matter what. Like, I shouldn't have been distracted by that. That was a mistake on my end. I still give the credit to Blanchfield. Yeah, I mean, that that response certainly doesn't chime with Andrade's reputation as a, as a killer. No. Uh, for her to be, to be worried about that, put off by that. Yeah. Um, now, what this reminded me of, the actual finish itself, it was it, vibes of uh, of Brunson versus Cannoneer. Ah. Uh, now, hear me, hear me out. Brunson was rocked. <laughs> yes. The, the the fog of war had, had descended. Yeah. Uh, also known as, you know, early, early potential signs of CTE. Yeah. And, uh, and I saw that in a charge here in the way that Blanchfield was able to step over uh, and yeah. assume... Assume the side control of the mount. Was side it? control, and then she she let Andrade move away, in that it allowed her then to attack the back from there. It was really clever grappling of just like I'll give you this space because I know that's your only way out, and then I can enter to the back from there. And she was so like forceful in her movements of just like there wasn't like oh I'm going to see if I can sneak in this. She's like I'm punching my hand through and I'm going to get the choke in, and. I mean, once she got the back, it was all over. Like, there was no way Andrade was coming back from there. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I, again, I do really question uh, what was going on with Andrade, you know, in yeah. allowing that position. As much as you have to respect Blanchfield, I think Andrade will be sick of watching that tape back and thinking, what was I doing? Yeah. Uh, but that's the reality we find now. Like you say, Blanchfield rockets her status, you know, really to oh. the top of the division. She should be next. The winner of... Shevchenko Grasso, she should be next. Like unless Grasso Grasso wins, then obviously there's the rematch there. But go on, Tom. Well, no, Blanchfield, she's she has been recognised in the rankings. She climbed seven places, taken Andrade's spot. She's number three now. Absolutely earned. Totally earned. Right. Let, let's go. I mean, it see it seems early, but I've got to say the confidence of the woman, the cool assuredness of her. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, I don't know. It's kind of it's a bit exciting, Joe. Yeah, it is. It is. Interesting t- challenge for Shevchenko. And also, factor in this is that Shevchenko, on a tremendous run, but she has been taken down in every single fight she's had in the UFC. She's been taken down in every single fight. And once Blanchfield gets that takedown, if she gets that early, she gets it in that first round, confidence will be flowing. I think she could probably think that she... I, th- I don't know, man. Like, I, Am I crazy for thinking off this fight that maybe Blanchfield's the one? She's the I, one I to be really, Yeah, I really think that that might be the case. <laughs> I really think that it might be the case. It is yeah. still Shevchenko, so I'll, I'll give her that respect. But we are in the era of giant killing. Mm. Israel Adesanya, he's fallen. Kamara Usman, Ooh. he's gone. You know what I'm saying, Jim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't well, think that era is Nunes, Nunes even like, lost her sheen. Of course. The, the definitive example in women's yeah, yeah, MMA. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Where hold on, hold on, hold on. Some, Ronda is the, is the definitive one, isn't she? I mean, oh, wow. wow, yeah, yeah, wow, the, different era, <laughs> different era, but yeah, thank god, Ronda, yeah, a, a worse time, let's be honest. Let's talk about the rest of this card. 
Two fights I just want to big up very quickly. Alexander Hernandez gets a decision win over Jim Miller. Jim Miller getting uh, the first round for me, and then Hernandez coming back and winning round two and three. Really nice stepping elbows from Hernandez. Nice bit of growth from the young man. Come on, Alex, mate. Get it together. you got a nice win here. Let's get you moving forward. Get you a nice challenge out there. You know what I'm about to say, Tom. You're getting fed to the paddy. You're getting fed to, fed to paddy pimlet, mate. And you're getting smoked. I mean, I, I like it. I like it. Uh, if I want the paddy train to, to chug on a, a bit more, then yeah. then I, I like the matchup. I mean, obviously, Hernandez still struggling to escape the shadow of his persona going into the Cowboy Cerrone fight. <laughs> Uh, the day drink eternal. and Donald punt that that day drink and Donald yeah. line was cracking. Like, let's be honest. Oh, fantastic! But what what's really fantastic is when you splice that together with what actually happened in the fight. <laughs> uh, he got worked, Joe. He got smoked, and obviously that's cast a long shadow over his, over his career since then. Yeah. Uh, gotta say, didn't see him overcoming Jim Miller, and no. got put in some positions in this fight. Where I thought, all right, that was that's it for you, son. Mm. But he came through, so credit to Hernandez. I would enjoy him fighting Paddy Pimlet. I think that could be could be a good time. Yes, um, Jim Miller as well. Man's eternal. Love Jim Miller. And uh, UFC three hundred, bro, deserves it. I, don't, I yeah. I, I mean, he was going into this fight. He was on a three fight win streak. You know, he was. He, you know, I I still think he's a guy you can face. Up and comers of like you know yeah. get your debut. Let's see. Are you of any standard? No. Okay. There's been a couple guys who Jim Miller has faced where it's just like, oh, this young dog is excited and whatnot, and they face that <laughs> that wall. Roosevelt Roberts. I'm looking at you. Eric Gonzalez. Nicholas Motta. Off you go, mate. Um, yeah, yeah. You're definitely right, Joe. Jim Miller uh, is a test. He's a test. He's a credit yeah. to the sport and let him well, get a spot on UFC 300. Well, and also it was a test that Hernandez had to overcome. Like, he was down. Like, he lost that first round and he came back and he adjusted and he showed that he had some quality there. So, yes. And the other fight I just want to big up very quickly. Tom, unless you've got one you want to big up. I'll Yeah, I'll come on to that. I'll, I think I, I think I know you want to talk about Nazim Sadikov here, so I'll let you run with it. Nazim uh, Sadikov beats Evan Elder by Dr. Stoppage, cut in the third round. I mean, the Elder was annoyed, <laughs> and I get it, rightfully so. You know, both these guys were 7-1 and one coming into this. Very well matched. I've got to say, man, this was a hell of a lot of fun. Hell of a lot of fun. Elder, like, forcing the action on Sadikov. Sadikov having to, like, counter-strike. And then eventually, once Elder dropped off the pace, Sadikov coming forward. Nice kicks to the body. Great hooks from these guys. Lovely stepping elbow as well from Sadikov. And, um, yeah, just a really good, solid, fun fight. I think both these guys are well-matched. I think the doctor stoppage was fine. I would happily watch them run run it back, but I don't really see much need for it, even if I did have it as being about 1-1 on the cards, so... Yeah, I could happily watch this again. It's kind of like um, like uh, when Bobby Green fought Lando Venata for three three times for some reason. Do you know what I mean? Like when they had their little series. I can happily watch these two again. Yeah, well, you will get the chance to see them uh, both individually and perhaps in a future ma- matchup. They definitely are of a good tier. I expect yes. expect more of them. I was surprised actually, uh, Elder. I thought you know Nazim Sadikov. I saw the beard. I saw the record. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, but Elder, Elder gave him a big test, and uh, Sadikov kind of lucky that that it was a was it a, a, leg, a leg kick, the knee off the kick, was it? Yeah, kind it was of a knee crazy. Off the, yeah, yeah. Um, now the fight I wanted to mention was another man uh, with a Central Asian uh, background, uh, Hussein Ashkabov, twenty twenty three and oh Joe, yeah, fighting at featherweight. Oof, yeah. four million Instagram subscribers. Yeah. Four million. Yeah. Uh, actually, from Chechnya, I yeah. thought I was going to see... Yes. You know, You're gonna the s- resurrection. Yeah. Christ himself. <laughs> what did uh, we get? Now, we got a man getting absolutely humbled by Jamal Emmers. In all aspects of the game, Emmers worked him. Yeah. On the feet, in the clinch, on the mat. Fantastic performance from Emmers and Ashkabov found wanting. Now, Joe, that prompted you to do a bit of research into those 23 wins, Joe. What did you find on Hussein Ashkabov? Uh, well, I found that his record was quite interesting, particularly his first seven fights. I mean, he got to 6-0. and When he was 6-0, and he fought a guy called uh, Vitaly Maximov in a, <laughs> a company called Pro FC Ukraine. And his uh, opponent, Vitaly, was 0-3. Um, and he continued this up until he was about thirteen and zero. Like when he was twelve and zero, he was fighting guys that were two and two, eleven and zero, zero and one, ten and zero, one and zero. Like he had some padding in this record. I've got to say, finally gets to thirteen and zero, fights a guy who's seven and one, and we start to see a little bit of a uptick. But again. Easy wins in there. Bruno Borges when he was seventeen and fighting a guy who was five and three. Like yeah. there, there was no like he, there was padded records. It kind of reminded me of when Jordan Wright came into the UFC and he fought in that company that had um oh uh, Ali Malay McFarlane, the Bellator fighter who fought the quote soccer mom. I'm sure you've seen that fight. Oh dear. Yeah, you know the one yeah. where the woman's just like yeah. to the gates go and like. As if she's waiting in line at the fucking supermarket. And Alimale's just on the other side looking like prime Vandalay, ready to kill someone. So, yeah, kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, I think this is a bit like, uh, you know, in, in South Korea, they've got like the boy band factories. Yes. Where they just, you basically, you get recruited in, they give you the look, yeah. you get the clothing, and then they just play auto-tune and you get millions of fans. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah, now, yeah. Ho- Hopefully no, nobody ever actually asks you to sing a tune. You, know, you probably have a little word with the chat show, like, uh, there'll, be no, there'll be no singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, only talking. And, and, yeah. Okay. And I think that's what we're dealing with here, because him and his brother, uh, Hassan Ashkabov, another fantastic 22-2 and two record. Wow. Another 4 million. <laughs> Who did he lose to? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. So, um, yeah, credit to, uh, I guess, the warlord in, in Chechnya that's making it all happen. <laughs> well, he was he was 20, he was was 23 and 0, but he's been fighting for 11 years. 11 years he's been training and fighting. And it's like, I mean, that's Joe, bad. That was not an 11-year guy. Joe, like. all I'm saying is, last time out for Hassan Ashkabov, his uh, opponent had a 12 and 13 record, so... Really? Oh my god! Oh my god! That's not good. And and that about wraps it up for my uh, my opinions of our last Apex card and then our future Apex card. Then we look ahead. What do we got in the news, Joe? Let's talk about some fights that have been announced. 
not officially announced from the UFC, but uh, announced in the media. It's been set for May. Bantamweight title fight, Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. With a co-main event of Benil Dariush versus Charles Oliveira. My God, I hope that Dariush Oliveira fight is five rounds. Please let it be five rounds, my God. But Sterling versus Cejudo. It's funny when people talk about, oh, uh, what if Cejudo stepped up to face Volkanovski? I don't think there's anyone asking for that now, is there? Like, Gordon Bennett, there is no fight there, is there? And I don't think even Cejudo's talking about it anymore. Like, I think he's got a bit of sense to just ignore that one. Um, oh, Joe, wait, let me jump um, right in. Yeah. Does this fight make sense? Isn't it similar territory? Am I am I disrespecting Henry Cejudo, or am I just... You're saying it should be Sean O'Malley? I'm saying... I think I think Aljamain might be a bit ahead, you know. I think I, 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 really? I'm not saying it's like as disproportionate a matchup as Volkanovski and uh, Cejudo would be, but I think Sterling's done enough to you know to make me favor him versus a man who's been out of the sport. This is, remi- is this questionable? Is this reminding you of Cejudo versus Cruz? I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. It's an odd one, isn't it? Because I'm not mad about Cejudo getting the shot. Like, it's fine by me. I think this is going to be Sterling's last fight at Bantamweight before moving up. Which, again then, is he just going to again move up into a title fight? Because surely he must move up into a title fight. Like, you defended the Bantamweight title three times. The best division in the sport right now. And what, you're not going to get a title fight? But where's that going to fit in? I mean, I guess the fact is that Aljamain doesn't fight that often. But then what, is he going to slip ahead of Arnold Allen if he beats Max Holloway? Oh, God. Sterling must be praying for a Max Holloway win. He must be praying Max Holloway beats Arnold Allen so he could slip in later this year, early next year, for a fight against Volkanovski. I cannot understand the mentality of anyone who who craves a fight with Alexander Volkanovsky, but yeah. fair play to him if, if that's what he wants. I mean, he wants the big fight. Now, with that in mind, Joe, I just can't see him passing up Sean O'Malley. I just can't Oh, see what, the ease of that fight, you think? Yeah, I mean, surely he's got to look at it like that. He's got to look at O'Malley and think, oh, good lord. Money fight. He ticks all the boxes. Money fight. A man, you know, with a striking pedigree, um, who Sterling's going to outweigh, outmuscle, take mm. out, gr- ground out. And, you know, he's got to expect a finish against O'Malley, isn't he? Yeah, he'd want to make that name as well off of that. I mean, you could do you could do Sterling versus O'Malley later this year. Maybe October time, co-main event on, in Abu Dhabi, perhaps. You know, if O'Malley's... I'm Aljamain Sterling, I'm calling for it. Yeah, that's the easy... That's. I asked for the easiest fight in the division, and I asked for Ryan Bader. No, he asked for... <laughs> he said, look, he, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. You've got the biggest money fight possible, but then what if O'Malley wins, though, and you go up to featherweight on a loss? Kind of like when RDA went up to welterweight, isn't it? You know, he was the champ, you know, going up off the loss of Eddie Alvarez. Could be a hard road at featherweight as well, because you're not going to be the bigger man. And you'd be facing guys like, what, Aaliyah Taporia? Bryce Mitchell, you know. If you were going to rank Sterling yourself at featherweight right now, just where does he slot in? Is he is, is he he's below Arnold Allen? Yeah. Or is, okay, yeah, below. But Arnold he's above Allen. Josh Emmett. Yeah, I'd yeah I'd rank him there. I mean, would you favour him over Brian Ortega? 
Ooh, that's tantalizing. Well, that is tantalizing. I like I like the thought of that fight. Do you actually want Cejudo to win? Because Cejudo versus O'Malley would be funnier. <laughs> it certainly would. I mean, if Henry Cejudo comes back and wins this, I don't. I like. He's given me enough time to start doubting him again. I was in a default position of doubting him throughout all his wins, to mm. be honest. Um, so you know, I just I do I do love a man who who comes comes through all that. Yeah, it would be really something. Uh, no, I mean, now you mentioned that possibility, yeah. I guess I am all right, all right with the coming in because I, I was a little bit. I'll say, Joe, when I heard this matchup, I was a little bit underwhelmed just because bantamweight is so hot yeah. right now. Absolutely, absolutely. And by the way, I was just looking at the featherweight rankings. So you've got Arnold Allen at four, then you've got Josh Emmett at five, Zombie at six, Cater at seven, Chikate at eight, and then at nine you've got Tapuri and Evloev at ten. Those two must be looking at that as just like, I'm going to chop down one of those lads as soon as I can. Like, as, give me Josh Emmett now. Like, give me him yesterday. Like, they must be, like, licking their lips at that. Have Have you seen the, uh, the gif that's been doing the rounds over the last couple of days of a pack of lionesses uh, and they're all sat above this warthog hole and the warthog is in the hole looking right. up thinking oh lord oh really and, and what I'm saying is Tapuria and Evloev are those <laughs> lionesses right and the warthog is Chan Sung Chung yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, they, he, he, I don't think he wants to face that um, as for Darius versus Oliveira tremendous we talked about it before Fantastic. very much into it Lastly, a week after set um, in a main event, uh, Jairzinho Rosenstruck is back and he's facing Jailton Almeida. Oh my word. Poor Rosenstruck. Talk about, never mind the lioness with the warthog. This is the, this is the anaconda with the deer. Like this is like absolutely dunzo, isn't it? Like there's no, I say deer, a gazelle. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, I'm not Attenborough, but you know what I mean? You can see him just devouring Rosenstreet, can't you? Yeah, it sounds a lot like that. Um, sounds like e- easy matchup. Yeah. Uh, there was one other fight made at heavyweight. There's a little bit more consequential for the title pitcher. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we talked about it live on the mic, but you've got Curtis Blades. He's fighting Sergei Pavlovich. Is he? He oh. is, Joe. Oh. <laughs> also known as the White in Garnu. In some yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, if it goes past a minute, I'm favouring Blades. That's 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 my stance. If it finishes in under a minute, I know what's happened. Blades has got form for shooting around the minute mark and meeting an uppercut on the way mm. in. Uh, I think that is certainly uh, something that could very much happen here. I think it's a great matchup. Great. Matchup. When's it set for? That is beyond me, Joe. That All right, fair me. enough. Now, Tom, I've got a question for you. We've got two of the biggest stars coming back this year. I saw this on MMA Fighting, and I thought it was quite a good question, so I wanted to pose it to you. I saw this. We've got two of the biggest stars coming back this year, and I've got a very simple question. Bones and McGregor. Bones and McGregor. John Jones is back next week. Conor McGregor is back later this year. Simple question. Out of those two, who has more to lose? Bones. Really? Yeah. Bones, yeah. Really? Why? He's the GOAT. Oh, you're just saying it. He's the GOAT. I'm just saying it. 
I'm just saying that it's been doing the it's been doing the rounds lately. You've, been, you've always had an issue with GSP, and I don't know what it is. Uh, it's the Johnny Hendricks fight. What the fight he clearly won, but okay. <laughs> um, we should do a watch along yeah, of that fight. I, I, perhaps we should. Yeah. Perhaps we should. Yeah, um, it's also the Bisping win, the way he came back, when yeah. he dodged Tyron, who seemed to be a tough matchup at the and time. He, and then he didn't defend and it then, against Whitaker. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. absolutely true. That, that, that sticks oh, in the mind. Whereas Whitaker versus GSP, series, my God. I, mean, yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. He also deprived, of, deprived us of that, you know. That was a little bit weak coming back for Bisping. In all right, all right. Anyway. Moment of time. Come on. Okay, fine. We'll, Bones is we'll, the go. Bones right. is the go. Bones is the go. I'm just saying it. All right. And he is. I think Fadal. Oh! Yeah. Oh! He's daring he's to be great. He's been flirting with this heavyweight. He's been teasing, flirting with this for God knows how many years now. Oh, someone, someone, pro- someone posted this. I think it's 11 years. I think, I think Kane was champion and he was teasing it. All right, and what about if after all those 11 years, he finally does it and he gets absolutely smoked? (laughs) (laughs) Finished in a minute. Come uh, on, Joe. What would that do for Jones' position in in the GOAT discussion? I think think, think once that happens, you're then like, all right, Dom Reyes, oh, uh, Tiago Santos. You start totting these things up. Oh, yeah. The whole thing outside the ring. Yeah. Um, Connor's already fallen so far. But the thing with Connor, though, is that, like, if he loses to Michael Chandler, like, that is, you know, I love Chandler. We love Chandler on this podcast. He's one of our favorites. We love Michael Chandler. But Connor, as in terms of, like, I'm the biggest star, I sell the most pay per views, he loses to Michael Chandler after losing twice to Poirier, losing to Khabib. We're not talking about that cowboy fight. That was not a fight. That was a promotional tool for his next fight. That wasn't a fight at all. You know, the nonsense with Mayweather. Not fighting. Never defending about. I think... But and then, he's already that. He's already in that position. He's What you've just said... I've already written him off. You just you just confirmed it to me. You just taught all those things up. Fair enough. Fair enough. Does I, it... like? Uh, like, are we talking about? Is there any legacy? Does McGregor have a legacy now? Does he have? Well, it's interesting no. that you say that because one of the arguments that they made on MMA fighting was, um, you know, when he beat Alvarez, like a couple months after, if you did a list of like the twenty greatest fighters in the history of the UFC, would McGregor have been in the top ten? Yeah, Pro- probably. Beat Mendes, yeah. Mendes oh, Aldo. Yeah, he would. Yeah, yeah. Unified the two belts. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, also the fashion in which he put away Alvarez in the division above. Yeah. I mean, come on, Joe. If uh, if if uh, Aljamain Sterling, yeah. if Aljamain Sterling goes up and does that to Volkanovski, <laughs> well, Volkanovski to Alvarez is not a one-to-one comparison, but still, no, no, yeah. I will acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, yeah, his standing has fallen because, like, if he did a top fifty UFC fighters of all time, McGregor would would he be in that list? Uh, we're talking about like skill for skill, all time skill for skill achievements, everything. You'd, be, well, you'd make your top achievements, fifty. You start to consider the star status, what he built from yeah. that. You know the the whole 
all the nonsense that's gone along with it. And of course, his name is is, is but he has but so he many asterisks. He has so many asterisks. And I guess what you're saying with Bones is that if he loses to Garn, those asterisks are confirmed. Whereas now it's yeah. kind of like, well, it's, he hasn't lost really. So, Joe, know. let me introduce one more thing about Johnny Johnny Jones, Johnny Bones yeah. Jones. Yeah. Now, one of those asterisks is the PEDs. Yes. Right, we there has been a notable drop off in John Jones since Usada became the machine that we see it is today. Now we all yeah. know about hiding under the ring. Yes, which he confirmed, <laughs> which is mental that he did that. But go on. <laughs> well, that's how that's how hot, like hot he felt, you know, in that yeah. moment. That's how assured he was. But then, well, know, hold on, no, he 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 did that after getting into a Twitter spat with Adesanya. And he got into a Twitter spat with a guy who's clearly much better at the internet than him. Should never have gotten in there. Never gotten in there with him. Anyway, continue. Well, yeah, it's basically that. that Then it's like, okay, with the greater spotlight shone on his use of PEDs, he then comes back, steps up a weight division after a three-year layoff, and puts away Cyril Garn. Oh, my Lord. Amazing. He loses to Cyril Garn, confirming mm. his deficiency without that level of PED support that mm. he perhaps had been receiving. And you consider how he looked against Thiago Santos and uh, Dom Reyes. Yeah. I think Jones has got a lot to lose. Uh, and, you know, I'm really excited about that fight. I am excited about that fight. Yeah, yeah there's so More many. More excited than, than Chandler McGregor. Okay, fair enough. Am I alone in that? No. What, you mean more excited than that? Well, also, it's next week. So, yeah, you should be more excited for it than Chandler McGregor. But if overall you could only watch one, it's probably probably going to be Jones Garn, isn't it? I hope so. I, the, the, the day that I say McGregor Chandler, I think... The oh, day come on, man. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> it, it is. It is. But we are, you know, we're aficionados. We're... we're we play a bit of the hype game, Joe, but we're we're realists here on Hold On, I'm Talking Brother. Absolutely. Anyway, listeners, we'll be back next week to preview UFC 285, which is headlined by John Jones versus Cyril Garn for the vacant heavyweight title with a co-main event of Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso. Listeners, I'm going to ask for it. In the comments of this pod, leave your predictions of what you think is going to happen in that fight. And any interesting ones, which I'm sure will be all of them, we will read out next week and break down further. Tom, thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you, Joe. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us. You can contact us at holdonbrother69 at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review, all that good stuff. Spread the word like an STD through a British secondary school. Uh... (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everyone. Have a nice night.